a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. This is then a sanctification. Is a daily drowning of the flesh and a, and a daily rising again of the new man to life. And that is what we call repentance. The law comes to us and shows us our sin, and then the gospel comes and, and forgives our sin, and, and, and by that the new man rises daily to life. The point is the forgiveness of sins. I mean, I, I wonder if the gospel was preached in that gray old church. I wonder if the sacraments were rightly administered. Because if it was, that's the point. I wonder if those gray old people needed the forgiveness of sins. It's like putting Vaseline in your eyes before reading the New Testament to be a dispensation. Because <laughs> you can't tell anyway what's up and down. So. You're just trying to get on the Facebook quote page. For those who think thought things couldn't possibly get any worse, this is Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline here with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Welcome. Lowering your expectations on a weekly basis. <laughs> you know, I listened to I listened to our show yesterday. I hadn't listened in a long time, but I thought, you know, if our listeners have to endure this stuff, maybe I should endure it once. And I realized what an absolutely terrible man I am at the mic. No wonder, you know, people in my church have been volunteering to get a new microphone and everything like this. And I said, no, no, it's me. But and that's just not that bad. Now, this is, boy, it's terrible because I got my emotional manipulation style. You know, I get all worked up and then I kind of go down low like this, you know, and then and the, it's terrible on the microphone. So yeah. sorry, everyone. <laughs> We're now apologizing for our radio show. We've been doing that for years. <laughs> <laughs> what's new? Uh, yeah, what's new? So I got. I'm working on it. I'm working on my mic skills now. I'm trying to pay attention to the diff, the distance between the microphone and my mouth. Apparently, that's what what matters. You know. You know where. Did a little uh, research. <laughs> you know what the sad thing is about this is that um, um, we're recording several shows in a row, so we can kind of get ahead for Christmas, and then uh, we're kind of just. It, what take a little hiatus for Christmas, and so uh, we have several shows kind of in the bag that haven't been heard yet, and um, those are the ones that are the worst because uh, last week we were talking about uh, your uh, your elf thing, and you're just going crazy into the mic. You're just, you're just you know uh, treating the, the microphone like uh, I don't know. What do you treat a microphone as? I treat a like a like the cat that just spit up a hairball on our bed. <laughs> so you don't have a cat, so I, I, I'll take your word for it. But anyway, okay, that's that. Uh, for today's edition of Table Talk Radio, we're going to do some What's in Your Pastor's Library. We have, to oh, this, yeah. we have to do this from time to time because now that uh, Pastor Wolfmiller is a synodical bureaucrat, we have to make sure that the primary books he's reading isn't like you know synodical bylaws and... Whatever else it is that uh, you know, church growth methods. You know, I don't know what what <laughs> the corporate cuts. person. Yeah, uh, how to organize your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't have that book in my library because I gave it uh, I gave it to someone else to read. So <laughs> uh, that I'm was, all super organized. Wasn't, now, so wasn't I, that the book I told, you said I, I needed to read before I get in the parish? 
<laughs> Forget the theology. <laughs> I told Gary. I think what I was telling you, Evan, right? I was come up to the seminary and, and teach a little module on uh, organization. And and Carrie said, Brian, what in the world would you have said to the <laughs> pastor that wanted to come and teach the the seminarians about organization? <laughs> oh yeah. I would have gone berserk, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't need to be organized. I don't need to know what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm a pastor, for heaven's sake. <laughs> Remember in the book of Acts how the Holy Spirit would just whisk Philip around? Well, that's how I'm going to be when I'm a pastor. Whoosh. <laughs> so, anyway. Good. So, apparently, I'm not going to do that. Although, I am super organized nowadays. I mean, that's a bit of a comparative term. I don't know to say I'm super organized. I'm just, I'm not ridiculously unorganized so you know listener contact me on the side i'll, I'll do maybe we'll do a you know we'll do a table scraps on uh, pastoral <laughs> what is it called uh organizational skills yeah anyhow what's in your pa- so i am a bureaucrat now so you got to check me out we're going to do that for five minutes and then what are we going to do after that we'll name that theologian oh yeah, yeah. so you better find a the- theologian and then uh we're playing this this new game, based off of a uh, side comment I made in a previous show, when we were playing Bible Bee, um, I, I could identify the event in the life of Jesus, but not necessarily the book of the Bible. Uh, and so we thought, let's play Name That Event in the Life of Jesus. <laughs> uh, that's, that's about how games get created here on Table Talk Radio. Yeah, that's right. So this is another Bible guessing game, but instead of guessing the book, you you guess the event. Yeah. So I will be on the hot seat for that. So that is the lineup for Table Talk Radio. Let's uh, get into some buzzword before we play uh, What's in Your Pastor's Library. All right, I've got one for you, and the buzzword I have for you is synergism. Synergism. Mm -hmm. Syn comes from, that means together in Greek, and ergism means to work. uh, It's like energy. Uh, So to work together. So this is the idea. Synergism is the idea. That man and God cooperate in salvation. We had something similar last week or a few months ago when we had semi-Pelagianism, uh, similar sort of thing. So that man's will and God's will cooperate in salvation. And and uh, so you have a light form of synergism every time someone's telling you that you have to accept Jesus into your heart in order to be saved because it's it's now you and Jesus cooperating together. The opposite of synergism is monergism, which is that mono means alone. God alone works salvation and this not only talks about um, the work required to win salvation but also talks about how one uh, benefits from that work of salvation because um, so so many people say no no no, it's God alone that that uh, you know died on the cross and and, and won salvation uh, but where they where they don't draw it all the way through is uh, how one obtains that faith and, and to say that that one must participate uh, in getting that faith or becoming saved, uh, that is still synergism. Right. So that that God, uh, God does everything for our salvation, not only to to make atonement for our sins and propitiation for our sins by dying on the cross, but He also does everything to bestow faith to us through His Word, because that's a completely passive act on our behalf as well. Yeah, I agree with that. That's right. Good. Well, I have a. Uh, a a buzzword. I don't know if we used this before, um, but it fits right into this conversation, and it is the word imputation. And uh, hey. the word imputation, um, I, I guess, kind of means like credit. That 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 uh, one 
one gets credit for another one's doing, or that 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 credit is applied to another person. So, uh, so that the the forgiveness of sins is imputed to us, uh, or I should say, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. The 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 perfect life of obedience that Jesus lived his entire life. You know, Jesus uh, Jesus never sinned his entire life, uh, being in in perfect obedience in the will of the Father. And this perfect life thing gets imputed to us um, uh, monogistically. <laughs> monogistically. Yeah, that's a word, I think. I um, And that's right. The, you know, the uh, I've been having these debates with Father Bert down the street. He and I have been getting together. And our congregations have been coming to hear this stuff, too. We've been talking about the differences between Rome and, and Lutheranism. And... Uh, and and it's this is just one of these clear sort of things is that we have the righteousness of Christ imputed, they have the grace of God infused, so that it's a some sort of substance that's infused uh, through the sacramental life of the church, and it gives you the power to do meritorious good works. So so imputation is given at, um, uh, as the opposite of infusion. I think that was my buzzword last week, if I'm not mistaken. Infusion? Uh, uh, not infusion, but uh, this. Uh, what was it? The uh, the grace that is. Um, oh, the, oh, yeah. the dead faith. Yeah, that's right. That's oh right. no 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 uh, no! It wasn't gratia. It was uh, it was a uh, fetus infomus. Right, right. Uh, which I don't I think you got, and you don't get credit for using it this time. Do I get credit for remembering? The only reason I remember is because it wasn't actually last week in Table Talk Radio time. <laughs> it was. There is a bit of a, a Table Talk Radio time warp that goes on. <laughs> Sure, I'll give you points. I, I'm a very generous point giver. Uh, three points for remembering that. Yeah, I'm already way ahead where you ended our last show at negative 8,300 or whatever. <laughs> that was embarrassing. Uh, I know. Was the, I was just teaching you. our listeners it, it doesn't pay off to gamble. No gambling. <laughs> I think I made a wager for you know 10,000 points or something. Right. Okay, let's play some... I think you're stalling. I want to find out what's in your no, library. No. We just, have, right, we just have one minute here. So... Um, get up, uh, get out of your bookshelf. Alright. Uh, um, now, your bookshelf goes all the way to the ceiling, right? Yeah. So I want I want one about knee high and uh, right. one step to the left and take that book right there. Right there, get out, that one. Alright, this is a kind of big one. What is this? Ah, look at this. This is interesting. This is, uh, I have the World Treasury of Modern Religious Thought. Oh, nice. Edited by, edited by the old Lutheran, then converted to Eastern Orthodoxy, Yaroslav Pelikan. Nice. Uh, so with 30 seconds, is there something out there you want to highlight? Oh, this is, so this just has um, uh, quotes. Oh, I should use this for Name That Theologian. Oh, yeah, I'll read some excerpts from this in a, <laughs> in a few minutes when we come out of our break for the next game. <laughs> 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 All right. Not, not only are we doing, uh, uh, you know, what's in your pastor's library, but we're also doing Pastor Wolfman's show prep for the next segment when we play Name That Theologian. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. You can give us a call on our voicemail system at 1 800 385 SOLA. 1 800 385 SOLA. We'll be right back. Somewhere he knows, no, 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 no
not a radio show. It's a relationship. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. I'm selling you something. <laughs> I know you don't believe it, but it's true. I am. I, I'm trying to sell you or your congregation. If you're not a pastor, if you could give this information to your pastor, I'd really appreciate it. An electronic baptismal certificate. It's an electronic, customized uh, for your church certificate that prints out on an 11 by 17 page. It, it's an old-fashioned looking, but uh, a technologically up-to-date certificate with woodcut images, the four catechism baptismal verses, uh, and a place to input electronically uh, baptismal information, and it's available for $35 per congregation, and you can print as many as you want as, until the Lord Jesus returns. Uh, the way to see this certificate and get input to me for it or order it is to go to wolfsoncreative.com. It's W-O-L-F-S-O-N. C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E dot com. And you can click on the certificate there and, and see it. You can even print a sample to see if it, you can print it out. And order information is all there as well. So, again, it's wolfsoncreative.com. That's a customizable electronic baptismal certificates for your congregation. Uh, thanks for your time. And, see, I am trying to sell you something, and I hope you'll buy it. <laughs> That sounds like pressure, under pressure. (laughs) I was wondering what you would think. Uh, Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. It's time for Name That Theologian. Um, I want to hear about this book first, though. Are you really going to use that for for Name That Theologian? Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. It's got... got, Excerpts from all these sort of look. It's got part one, the unbeliever. It's got uh, Albert Camus, uh, Camus. How do you say that? Camus. Edward Gibbon, Gilbert Murray, Feuerbach, Nietzsche, Sigmund Freud, Karl Marx, and then the will to believe. And even Hem- Hemingway here. Will to believe. William James, Martin Buber, Karl Barth, Carl Jung, uh, C.S. Lewis, etc. Uh, and then the reconstruction of tradition. That's what I think I'm going to read you from. It's got Harnack in here, John Henry Newman, but then um, some other guys there. That sounds good. Well, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? No, you go first. I still got to find a good quote. <laughs> All right. Well, here is your uh, the game. By the way, is pretty self-explanatory. We we read a few quotes, and then the contestant needs to uh, name which theologian this is being uh, quoted here. And uh, you got three quotes, so here's the first one. All right. Our Lord speaks. Right. Okay. All right. Ready? Just saying. All right. All right. I'm hey, ready. Hey, Ice. Right. Hey, Ice. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. Stop. <laughs> Collaborate and listen. <laughs> Evan's back with a brand new edition. Softly. Grab <laughs> the hold of me tightly. Okay, please. Stop. Stop. Okay. <laughs> uh, our Lord speaks. We listen. His word bestows what it says. Faith is born from what is heard, acknowledges the gifts received with eager thankfulness and praise. Music is drawn into this thankfulness and praise, enlarging and elevating the adoration of our gracious giver, God. Hey, I think I recognize that quotation. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. From where? Where? From the introduction to the Lutheran worship hymnal. Hmm. Yeah. You think I'm just reading from the hymnal? Don't be silly. <laughs> There's got to be a quote in here somewhere. All these hymns and psalms and prayers. Where's a quotation I can use? Yeah, that's a marvelous quotation, though. Um, faith is born from what is said. Uh, it, in the Lutheran Confessions, it says it like this: Faith is born from the absolution. 
Hooey. That's nice. So, anyway, you want another, you want right, another so, quote? Yeah, give, give us some more. Okay. Keep reading the introduction there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, saying back to him what he has said to us, we repeat what is most true and sure. Most true and sure is his name, which he has put upon us with water of our baptism. We are his. This we acknowledge at the beginning of the divine service. Where his name is, there is he. Before him we acknowledge that we are sinners, and we plead for forgiveness. His forgiveness is given to us, and we, freed from, freed and forgiven, acclaim him as our great and gracious God as we apply to ourselves the words he has used to make himself known to us. Yeah. That's nice. You can you, this this particular theologian has a very distinct way of talking. Um, often emulated or wait, often imitated, never duplicated. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there's a bunch of other people run, walking around trying trying to talk like uh, this particular theologian. And the Lord is giving what He gives because He's the giver of. Gifts. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Know exactly. you, know, you guys that are listening, you know who you are out there. <laughs> All right, I've got one oh, more. Well. If you're ready. I'm ready. Well, this is I'm no- ready. Sorry, let me talk into the mic. I'm ready. Thank you. Okay. Uh, the rhythm of our worship is from him to us and then from us back to him. He gives us, uh, he gives his gifts, and together we receive and extol them. We build up one another as we speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Our Lord gives us his body to eat and his blood to drink. Finally, his blessing moves us out into our calling, where his gifts have their fruition. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. That, that's um, that's really quite marvelous. And I, I the other day, you know, I've been in a flat-out froth about many things, but and lately <laughs> especially, I, I don't know if I might have to get my blood pressure checked. But here's another one of these things: is that you know, so we have this clean definition of worship in the scriptures. Worship is being served by Jesus, and not the you got served kind of served, but the forgiveness of sins kind of served. And and but the problem is. We we always want to switch that thing around and make worship about us serving God. And this, but the whole point is to make over and over again, as we always do, is that God doesn't need anything for us. He doesn't. He gives to us. Uh, he doesn't receive anything. He doesn't. Do you remember this verse from Psalm 50, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite, where the Lord says, "If I were hungry." I wouldn't tell you, <laughs> which is just classic. I mean, look at don't you don't don't you start to think that I need things from you, even if I was hungry, which I'm not. Even if I was, I'm not going to tell you about it, so that you cannot have the satisfaction of of bringing satisfaction to me. No, it's the other way around. I am the one that gives to you. Yeah, my, my, well, we uh, always flip this around. My pastor and to try to combat this just po- overwhelmingly popular idea that. Um, that worship is about you know, uh, sacrificing ourselves to God or whatever. Uh, he 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 asked the question: uh, If God has uh, all angels and archangels constantly worshiping Him, what more is our worship to God? It, or you know, or, or uh, the angels are always singing hymns to God. So so what what more do our hymns offer? Uh, no no no, the, the hymns and prayers 
that we offer to God are, um, as, as this mysterious theologian, which you, I don't think you'll get, uh, just said, uh, that, that their response to what he has given us. So, so we, we are gathered together at the divine service and the Lord gives his gifts to us, uh, namely the gifts of life, salvation, forgiveness through word and sacrament, um, and word and sacrament alone. Um, and then as, as a response, we, we respond with, uh, confession. We, we, uh, you know, confessing the faith, uh, by, by hymns and, and prayers. So, so our, our, um, uh, speaking to God is, is, as a response to what He has first given us. That's exactly right. Here, here, I got a Luther quote. Ready? Ready. This is, by the way, is, is on the worldwide Wolfmuther. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which everyone's know is everyone knows is uh, the the least visited blog out there. <laughs> yeah, we have I have like uh, I have as many blog readers as we have listeners. There's just, <laughs> like seventeen or something. The worldwide Wolfmuther, which now is equipped, by the way, with bamboo, because I was watching TV last night and I thought to myself, you know, this blog needs some bamboo. So I know everyone else was thinking that. You guys are out there. Oh, I can't believe he's thinking the same thing I am. Bamboo. But anyways, it also has this Luther quote on here. Ready? This is Luther on Isaiah 66. The prophet confounds them. What are you building for me? Were not the wood, the keys, the stone, the builder himself mine to begin with? And you want to give them to me? And then this from Luther. This is just, just great. Madness possesses us that we want to give something to God when everything is his and he has no need of what we have. We were not created by God to give to him but to give to our neighbor. I can give a cow something, but I cannot give God anything. Away with the sacraments, annual observances, and all our own righteousnesses by means of which we want to give God something. You must know that you got everything you have from God and that he does not need what you have. I mean, this is just fantastic. Luther. There's just a little bit more. I'm I'm going to guess that's Martin Luther. Oh, you're already playing the game. Oh. This we must give to God, that we acknowledge him. So now Luther's going to say, well, we do have to give something to God. You ready? Mm-hmm. This we must give to God, that we acknowledge him as the dispenser of all the world's goods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do we give to God is the fact that we give nothing to him. Yeah. We make him a beggar who presumably needs our merits and our works. He will give you the fire of hell. Summary. If we were to keep the commandments of the second table perfectly and would want to trust in that and boast of it before God, then I would be sinning against the first commandment, which teaches that I have received everything and can give nothing. The only sacrifice that God wants is that we say everything is yours, nothing is mine. Religion, sacrifice, and righteousness are yours. Where is it? Where's that uh, quote from? Luther's Works, uh, Volume 17. At the very end, uh, page 397, it's on... Uh, it's his comments on Isaiah 66, verse 1. That's, I was, that's where Isaiah, Isaiah is doing the same thing. Isaiah says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and where's my place of rest? All these things my hand has made, so that all these things came to be, declares the Lord. Uh, but this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Yeah. That, that, by the way, becomes then the theme of the last chapter of Isaiah, the one who trembles at the Lord's word. That's a marvelous definition of, of a Christian. That's right. Well, uh, with, uh, I don't know, about a minute left, do you have any, any, I mean, it's okay if you just have to guess, but do you have any idea who the, uh, the theologian is that I, I'm I quoted? I'm going to take a stab in the dark, just to kind of 
reaching for straws here and say it's Dr. Norman Nagel. It is Dr. Norman Nagel. He, uh, like as you as you said before, it was just from the introduction of uh, Lutheran worship, and um, yeah, so Nagel Nagel got to write that. So. As a, when it's well worth your. I mean, it's not just worth reading. It's well worth studying and pondering. Um, it is. Uh, it's fantastic. You know the thing, and I was. You know, there are some very. Doctor Nagel is one of the greatest teachers alive now of the truth. Um, uh, and and anything that he writes, his sermons and and his articles, it is well worth our time for study. That's right. All right. Well, that's uh, all the time we have for this segment, but we're going to do one more round of Name That Theologian. We're going to find what Pastor Wolfmuller found in his book there uh, in just a minute. So we'll be right back to Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. More Name That Theologian right after this. Table Talk Radio. It's like spinach. We know you don't want to, but it's good for you. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, playing the game Name That Theologian. Before we get into the brand new game, Name That Event in the Life of Jesus. Uh, so I think we're up to Pastor Wolfmuller's turn. Um, you, by the way, ha- yeah. received 200 points for getting Nago right, so you're up to 203. 203. How many points do you have over there, Evan? Um, I... I uh, um, I'm taking the lowly position of a zero right now, but uh, don't worry. I'm going to get some points here. And then I'm going to cash in on, on all, almost the all the Table Talk Radio points the available when we play Name That Event in the Life of Jesus. So, <laughs> Good. All right. Well, here you go. Uh, just going to read a little bit. Nothing particular. Just going to start reading through this thing here. Uh, and you stop me when you know who this is. I think I do Stop. have three quotes oh. here, oh. quotations. So. <laughs> All right, ready? <laughs> yeah, go. It is commonly the loose and laudatarian Christians who pay quite indefensible compliments to Christianity. They talk as if there had been, never been any piety or pity until Christianity came, a point on which any medieval would have been eager to correct them. They represent that the remarkable thing about Christianity was that it was the first to preach simplicity or self-restraint or inwardness and sincerity. They will thank me very narrow, whatever that means, if I say that the remarkable thing about Christianity was that it was the first to preach Christianity. (laughs) Its peculiarity was that it was peculiar, and simplicity and sincerity are not peculiar but obvious ideals for all mankind. Christianity was the answer to a riddle, not the last truism uttered after a long talk. Only the other day I saw in an excellent weekly paper about a Puritan tone this remark that Christianity, when stripped of its armor and dogma, as who should speak of a man stripped of his armor and bones, (laughs) turned out to be nothing but the Quaker doctrine of the inner light. 
Now, if I were to say that Christianity came into the world specially to destroy the doctrine of the inner light, that would be an exaggeration. But it would be very much nearer to the truth. <laughs> Jeez. You, have you read this guy? Are you uh, you have a beat on this guy? Not really. Uh, this classic stuff. So this guy obviously is a hater. <laughs> uh, no. Um, uh, okay, so I'm trying to... The language sounds older. I mean, I don't... Uh, I, I don't hear people walking around saying uh, they would think me narrowly. Uh, so I don't know. I, I I don't know really where to put this person. But so he's he's talking about how uh, uh, there's no, nothing too special about Christianity, right? No, no. He's saying the opposite. He's saying the thing that's special about Christianity is that it's Christianity. So he's he's criticizing the kind of liberal thinkers that says. Christianity is just to uh, help with morality. And he's saying, no, no, no. Christianity oh, okay. is Christianity. Oh, okay. All right, maybe you better keep uh, reading. So the, other, the other way. Okay, I'll, I'll skip down a couple paragraphs here. Uh, it was the prime philosophic principle of Christianity that this divorce in the divine act of making, such as severs the poet from the poem or the mother from the newborn child, was the true description of of the act whereby the absolute energy made the world. According to most philosophers, God in making the world enslaved it. According to Christianity, in making it, he set it free. God had written not so much a poem, but rather a play, a play he had planned as perfect, but which had necessarily been left to the human actors and stage managers who had since made a great mess of it. I will discuss the truth of this theorem later. Here I have only to point out with what a startling smoothness it passed the dilemma we have discussed in this chapter. In this way, at least, one could be both happy and indignant without degrading oneself to be either a pessimist or an optimist. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I, I like that, though. That uh, Here, Here's a little bit more. Oh, go ahead. No, I what did just, you like? I was just going to say that that it, it, the part where you're talking about uh, God's creation setting us free, because all the all the philosophers, right, they talk about, uh, you know, I mean, the philosophy just kind of went berserk for a while, and, and, you know, you have, like, Rene Descartes doubting doubting everything other than the fact that he can doubt, so therefore, uh, you know, all, all he can trust is his, his himself. I mean, what, what more evidence do you need of original sin than that? Uh, oh, all, all I know yeah, for yeah. sure is me. But uh, but all, all the philosophers wanted to say that you know that that this whole world is an illusion. We're just entrapped by it, and the, and the goal is to um, gain attain knowledge to get past this entrapment of world of reality. Uh, and so I, I like how this theologian um, kind of goes the opposite way there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He goes the opposite way all the time. This guy. Here's a little bit more. Uh, and then followed an experience. So he's doing a little bit of autobiography. He's kind of discovering Christianity. That's a hint. Then followed an experience impossible to describe. It was as if I had been blundering about since my birth with two huge and unmanageable machines of different shapes and without apparent connection. The world and the Christian tradition. I had found this hole in the world. The fact that one must somehow find a way of loving the world without trusting it. Somehow one must love the world without being worldly. I found this projecting feature of Christian theology like a sort of hard spike, the dogmatic insistence that God was personal and had made a world separate from himself. The spike of dogma fitted exactly into the hole in the world. It had evidently been made to go there, and then the strange thing began to happen. 
When once these two parts of two machines had come together, one after another, then all the other parts fitted and fell in with an eerie exactitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, you're right. I don't know who this is. <laughs> um, I, I think it's someone I haven't read a whole lot, and there's maybe a couple names that come to mind. Um, there's hardly there's hardly anyone that fits that description, though. Right, I know. That you haven't read. Um, but right, uh, right. one person that always uh, – let me throw out two names – that the first person that that like um, is is assumed that anyone who has any interest in religion whatsoever has read, which I haven't read much of, a little bit, um, is uh, C.S. Lewis would be would be one. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, which doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily fit mm-hmm. the fit the first category, but just I don't know, maybe a gut feeling, uh, maybe uh, some G.K. Chesterton. Um, well, those two are related to one another. So Chesterton came earlier. He was the Roman Catholic writer, and he was the big influence on C.S. Lewis. Uh, so C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis writes a, a lot like G.K. Chesterton. So those are two fine guesses, right? Uh, because I, they fit. I, no, I don't. I don't know um, much about the uh, the history of uh, G.K. Chesterton, but the. The clue you gave me on the becoming a Christian um, would fit with C.S. Lewis, so I'm going to go with C.S. Lewis. This is actually G.K. Chesterton. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Chesterton. Well, that was it. Yeah, you can hear. You can hear. Uh, this emphasis that he has on freedom and stuff, and that he—I he, mean, he is—he does have this freedom of the will that the uh, Roman Catholics have. So uh. that's bad. That's a bad thing in here, and you can hear echoes of it, but just slight echoes so far here. This is from this is an excerpt from his book Orthodoxy, which I really like because, well, the guy's just a fantastic writer, and I really—I just like the way he thinks. Um, yeah, but but for me, I mean, that I was mean, like even think, when he's wrong. Uh, that was like going up to the plate with a blindfold on and hitting a foul ball. I mean, I'm just happy that he hit the ball. You know, it's, it's foul, <laughs> but hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty yeah, good about it. Right. The broken right clock now. is right twice a <laughs> twice a day. Um, how, how about this? He says, the, "You want a little bit more here? Yeah, you have some time for a little bit more." The optimists. Pleasure was prosaic, for it dwelt on the naturalness of everything. The Christian pleasure was poetic, for it dwelt in the unnaturalness of everything in the light of the supernatural. The modern philosopher had told me again and again that I was in the right place, and I still felt depressed, even in acquiescence. But I had heard that but when I when I had heard that I was in the wrong place, my soul sang for joy like a bird in spring. Knowledge the knowledge found out and illuminated forgotten chambers in the dark house of infancy. I knew not why grass had always seemed to me as queer as the green beard of a giant, and why I would feel homesick at home. <laughs> so, that, oh. what are you reading from there? Are you do you have a, a work, or is this from your book that you pulled off your shelf? You know, I was looking, so I was poking through the, my modern religious thought book, and this is this is an excerpt from it, and I was been looking at my shelf trying to find out where my copy of orthodoxy was so i could actually read a paragraph that i had marked up and underlined but uh, i don't know i can't i can't find the book yeah my my uh brother travis who listens to the show got me a uh, a gift card to borders uh for my birthday back in october and i with it i bought uh gk chesterton's orthodoxy book which has been sitting on my shelf i haven't read yet 
Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give uh, any Table Talk radio points I get uh, to my brother, Travis. So uh, there you nice go. Nice work, Travis. Congratulations. <laughs> the only trouble is he actually doesn't have any points. Oh, man. Can I give him, can I give him my points that are in the red from last show? I want to – I'll transfer my Table Talk radio debt to him. You're <laughs> – I'll see if he signs the paper. It's like <laughs> Hannah. She, she'll always write a contract up. Who knows what it's for? And she'll bring me the contract and say, hey, Dad, sign here. Well, what's this for? Oh, don't worry about it. Just sign here. That's great. Yeah. He's going to be a tricky. lawyer someday. He'll see. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all the time we have for uh, Name That Theologian. Um, but uh, we'll come right back after this break and play Name That Event in the Life of Jesus. If you want to sign up for Table Talk Radio text message alerts, you can do so by sending a text message, Table Talk, all together one word, to 69302. 69302, uh, the one word, Table Talk. You can sign up for text message alerts. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio. You're laughing too, right? Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Be jamming out over here. Ha! The problem with that song is it gets stuck in your head. <laughs> There's, that's not a good song to have stuck in your head. Right. I have a new liner, Table Talk Radio, uh, reminding you why we don't do TV. <laughs> what was the other one that you just said before the show? Table, Table Talk, Talk Radio. Radio, what you see is what you get. <laughs> Coming soon to a liner near you. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> All right, you ready for this game? This is what I'm going to do. This is how we're going to play this game. Are you ready? Ready. I am going to give you a verse, a snippet maybe of a verse, that is going to give you enough information to allow you to guess what incident this was in the life of Jesus, but you just call not it much incident? more than that. An incident, yeah. What is it? What did you want to call it? An event? I, I think that sounds better than an incident. An incident sounds like a, like a fender bender. Oh. Well, all right. Add a little incident. An event, an, an occurrence in the life of Jesus. Okay? Ready. Yep, go. All right. Um, and there's 200 points available for each one of these, is that right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Huh. I, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Ha. Um, okay, I think this is the big... The big yeah, this is nice. Huh? I like this game already. <laughs> I, I like this too. Um, so one of the hints here is he's referring to her. So, uh, which, by the way, I mean... That that's a, a pretty radical thing for a um, 
a Jewish t- teacher to be walking around talking to women. Um, right. Uh, I am the resurrection of life. I have two two ideas here. I'm I'm thinking if this is something I don't think it is. I, I, my my first reaction was um, the woman at the well, but I don't think he says that to her. I know he says uh, talks about the, the water of life with um, the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is at the raising raising of Lazarus. I think that's where it is. So I'm going to say at the raising raising of Lazarus. That's exactly right. Good. That's exactly Ooh. right. I, I'm going to give you. Hey, uh, I'll, I'll give you points if you want. If you want to guess uh, book and chapter, etc. Oh. Do you not want to do that? I'll guess book. All right. This is Gospel of John. That's right. Chapter 200, 200. Now, do I lose points if I guess chapter incorrectly? Uh, no, not in this game. How about this? This is a generous game. <laughs> gospel, a gospel <laughs> <Alas>. game. <laughs> um, let's see. Generous like your orthodoxy. <laughs> <laughs> um, chapter 7. No, chapter 11. That gets you 400 points, though. I knew all that this at is... one time. When I took Gospel of John in college, we had to we had to say what a, what major event happens in each of the chapters. And so I used to have this down pat. It's, this, is a, this is a it. good one to read down pat because um, uh, this verse has so much comfort for, for visiting people, especially when someone has just died. Because that's exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus is, he stalled, and then he's on his way to Bethany. And now Mary stays at home. Martha comes out to meet Jesus on the way, and they have this conversation. Your brother will rise again. I know my brother will rise on the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Us, marvelous. Yeah. Now, uh, I'll give you something to talk about here. Uh, uh, I remember being taught when I was in college, and uh, I didn't go to college at a Lutheran school. Um, The reason that Jesus uh, cried, uh, Jesus wept, according to this school, this professor, um, uh, was that because why why on earth would Jesus weep if he is just you know getting ready to raise Lazarus? It doesn't make sense, right? So uh, Jesus was really frustrated at people for not believing in him, uh, and so and the, you know he goes to you know some twenty-third uh, definition of the Greek word or something like that um, to to try and prove this. So uh, to talk about it then, Pastor. Uh, why does Jesus weep at the death of Lazarus? What says it in the text? It says he loved him, and he's weeping. Jesus wept. This is verse 35, and then verse 36 says, and the Jews said, "See how he loved him." I mean, Jesus is weeping because he loves Lazarus, and Lazarus is dead. Jesus. Now, and this is a fundamental, fundamental point that we cannot say enough: that Jesus does not like death. I mean, in fact, he calls death the enemy, and says things like, "The last enemy to be overcome is death." He, and that's what he's doing when he dies. He's overcoming death. So anyhow, that I mean, the idea that Jesus, uh, it's just crazy. But th- Jesus, this, Jesus doesn't like death. And you don't have to like death either, by the way, you dear listener. But uh, th- yeah, I mean, uh, th- this is an example, I think, of how our theology affects our interpretation of Scripture. 
so that for you know people who go to a funeral and the funeral is doesn't like to talk about the the death at all this is you know this is a celebration of life rather than a funeral you know uh, this kind of stuff when, when you when you have that kind of a theology that 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 death can just cannot be dealt with contended with or even addressed then it, then it really affects your theology when you find your lord weeping at death and you have to come up with another reason oh uh he was just frustrated with people for not believing right, 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 that's right. look at you got to say we have to be able to say to people who are mourning the death of loved ones for you to cry is a good work yeah, it's a good, good work yeah I like that. And right. so, I mean, uh, St. Paul says that uh, we uh, we mourn, we do not mourn like those who have no hope. Um, but it doesn't say we don't mourn. We just don't mourn uh, with like those who have no hope. So, I mean, that that that, that in in the midst of our mourning, we have the promises of God um, that that God has redeemed this individual if he died in the faith. And that, uh, that 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 this person uh, will be resurrected and 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 will spend um, eternity in heaven with with all the other saints in the presence of Christ, and that this person who died is in is present with Christ at this very moment. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's, so that's a uh, First uh, Timothy four thirteen. We mourn not as those who have no hope. Uh, sorry, not Timothy. Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. So. Good. All right. Uh, I'm all right, ready, ready for another, another one. incident here. Yep. Okay. They said to one another, "Did not our heart burn within us?" Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm trying to make these slight get a little bit harder as we go along here. Um, did not our heart burn within us? I think that this might be um. Jesus dealing with the two men on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. Yeah, is that is that your final answer? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's right. That's okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? Yeah, this oh. is this is an interesting uh, passage from the Gospel according to Saint Luke. Yes. All right. Um, you want to guess chapter? It's it's like the last chapter. How many how many chapters are there in Luke? <laughs> I don't know, like thirty seven. <laughs> uh, um, I'll go with chapter twenty. Twenty four, which is the last chapter, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is Luke chapter twenty four, verse thirty two. Yeah, um, this is this is interesting. This is a, I think, a puzzling. Maybe you probably have some great, great insight on this, but uh, um, yeah, this this is a. Um, so, really, so, so he, are you he, troubled by the burning in the bosom thing? You're like, why did why did they become Mormons? All no, I always just interpret that burning as a, in the bosom. I always translate that as a blaze. That they became a blaze. Oh, um, no! It, it, but but, it, it, but that Jesus uh, opens the scripture to them, and uh, I don't know what what comment do you have on this on this passage? Well, here's the great thing. I mean, Jesus could have just gone, "Hey guys, look, it's me," but he doesn't. You know, he he wants to teach. He wants to show them himself from the scriptures. So he even purposely hides himself and reveals himself in the in the words of the prophets and in the breaking of the bread. 
which is exactly how we have them. It's marvelous. So that, because Jesus can't just, I mean, he, he could, I suspect, but he doesn't just come and walk along the road with us while we're walking down there and say, hey, look, I'm still alive. But he reveals himself to us in his word and in his, in his meal. That's quite fantastic. Yeah, it is. And then, poof, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, I know it. He's, I, I've told you that, guys this before that Jesus after the resurrection is, is almost like he's playing around. He plays hide-and-go-seek. and, go seek and there's a, We'll talk about that at Easter time again because it's really quite wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'm actually sorry to say that this is all the time we have. So how many points do I have, Pastor? Hey, 800 points. How many points do you have, Pastor? 800 points. 203. Congratulations. That's amazing. All right, right. you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. Check us out on the website at tabletalkradio.org. And thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like our show prep. None of them really matter. (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.